Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Thanks for tuning in. And we Christians who place our faith and trust in a God who has demonstrated his trustworthiness and faithfulness time and time and time again, we're called irrational for believing something that is only rational? This does not make sense. Have you seen the yoke or the frame that is used to secure two working oxen or bullock? Can you imagine yourself yoked, as it were, for the journey of life? With whom would you like to be yoked? And yes, you have a choice. The enemy wants to bring upon people a yoke of bondage. God wants to bring freedom. Yeah, that needs more exploration, doesn't it? So let's join Dr. Corbett now for an unwelcome yoke. Jeremiah the prophet who wept. So just a brief recap. This, this man was called to be a prophet very young age, probably around about 12 years of age and began to hear some of the most extraordinary, remarkable things, claiming that he heard those things from God. As he began to share those things in his own lifetime, over a very short period of time, they were fulfilled. And people began to acknowledge that this man really was a prophet. Now, you would think the fact that they acknowledged that he was a prophet, you would think the fact that they could see the evidence for the fact that he was a prophet, that that would mean that they would respond to the things that he was telling them to do as far as he was telling them what God was telling them to do. You would think that. But, you know, there's, there's some pretty bizarre things in the Bible. One of the most bizarrest things in the Bible where you've got these people claiming, we can't believe in you, Jesus, because we don't have enough proof. And we Christians who place our faith and trust in a God who has demonstrated his trustworthiness and faithfulness time and time and time again, who has communicated with the world through a book that has stood the test of thousands of years of scrutiny. We're called irrational for believing something that is only rational and trustworthy. This does not make sense. So, the fact that people can be irrational when confronted with the ultimate claim. And the ultimate claim is this. I am the Lord, your God. I wrote about that in this week's e-news about a guy with a really weird name, Ebenezer Erskine, who realised the impact of those words, even though he became a minister in the church. He was a minister. He'd been a pastor for 10 years. And he didn't know Christ. And then one day the words that he heard his father say, I am the Lord thy God, gripped him. Because the issue in the heart of every person is this. Who is your God? Who is your Lord? And in the heart of every person there is something that says, most naturally says, I am. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm master of my destiny. I surrender to none. I'm the man. I did it my way. (laughs) And of course, when you challenge that, it meets with opposition. Despite the evidence. Despite the evidence, you can raise a Lazarus from the tomb. You can turn the sky from red to blue or blue to red. You can 
cause an empty net of fish to become... Well, it wouldn't be empty net of fish, would it be an empty net? You can cause an empty net to be full of fish and you'll still have people who doubt. You'll still end up with a Judas who after three and a half years of seeing miracle after miracle after miracle still didn't believe. Nothing rational about this. It is utterly spiritual. And so if we had time, we'd look in Romans chapter 6. And Romans chapter 6 says that every person on the planet has a yoke around their neck. And their hands are cuffed to that yoke. And they walk around like this and that thing lets, only lets them go where it wants them to go. And that thing only lets them do what they want to do. And that thing only lets them say what they want to say. And it's called the yoke of sin. It's called bondage. And the Bible says every person on the planet has one of those around them right now. And Jeremiah's about to address an unwelcome yoke. In Jeremiah 27, the prophet is about to come in and, and, and in some respect, we're, we're, we're kind of going back in time a bit because Jeremiah prophesied to four kings and, and here as he addresses King Zedekiah, who was the fourth of the kings that, that he had spoken to, we're, we're going back a little bit in time and Jeremiah's quite young, maybe very early 20s and He's about to walk into the the palace, unannounced, uninvited, walk straight into the throne room of the king where the leaders and officials of Jerusalem were and he is about to tell them what they do not want to hear. So he's very precise about what he says will happen. It's not like, hmm, I wonder what he meant. You can't do that. You can't read this section and go, well, that was vague. You can't do that. He names the emperor He names the man who would be emperor, who wasn't emperor. He names him. This guy will be emperor. And he will come in and he will destroy this city. Wow. Wow. This is is pretty amazing. So as we read this text, it's going to raise for me three really important questions. Not just about this text, but this text sort of brings these three questions out immediately. And you're going to see this from the opening verse in just a moment. Here's the first question. If I was just someone who was here today listening to me and I was not raised in church, had no religious background, I didn't know anything about the Bible, and I heard what I'm about to say, I'd think, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to grant you there may be a God. There may be a God. I'll concede that there may be a God. I'm not there yet, but there may be. But this whole God talks to people through people, I don't want him talking through no people to me. Just if the man upstairs wants to say something to me, he can just say it. Okay, so this raises the question. Does God speak through people to people? And I want you to dismiss a question. And and the question I want you to dismiss is the why question. Because there's a lot of why questions about God and what he does. I can't answer. No one can answer. We hear these questions. Why questions all the time. Why did God allow the Indian tsunami to destroy 100,000 people? Why did he allow that? Well, no, 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 we can't. That's a why, that's a motive. We can't answer that one, but we can answer other questions related to that. What does God want us to do now that the tsunami has hit so, and devastated so many lives? We can answer that one. He wants us to help. That's a very simple question to answer. So, does God speak through people? If... 
God is speaking through people, how can we tell which ones he's speaking through? And if we, if we can grant that he does speak through people and he's spoken through this person, what are we supposed to do with that? So there's, there's the three questions. All right, here's, you've you got Jeremiah 27, we're in verse 1. Ready? Here we go. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So off the bat, Jeremiah is, is answering our first question. Does God speak to people through people? Jeremiah says, yes. God is speaking to you through me. This is God speaking through me. Now, has God always spoken that way? No, there are times when God spoke directly with people. But there was a prayer that was prayed on behalf of humanity. We read it in Exodus 19. When God somewhat, we'll say physically, that's probably not the best word to describe it, came down from heaven to earth at Mount Sinai and he spoke. His presence was such a tangible force around that mountain that people were in dread of their lives. I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of someone who you knew was extremely important and had every good reason to be. There's a nervousness that comes on. You ever been in people's presence like that? There is a deep nervousness. Well, max that out like to infinity and imagine being in the presence of that person. An entire nation felt like that. When God spoke the smallest whisper, the ground shook. As he spoke, it says lightning and thunder was, was coming out from the mountain where his presence was. He was so bright, he surrounded himself in thick, dark cloud, it says Exodus 19. And when God spoke, Moses came down and delivered to the people what God had said. And the people said this, we don't want to hear him. You speak to us on behalf of God. And from that point, you find that God spoke to people through people. When mankind said, we do not want to hear God directly. Now you might think, oh, that's a shame. I would have loved to have heard God directly. Last night they had the Tatsalotto numbers. I would have loved to have said, hey, give me six numbers. I would have loved to have heard directly from God. And that's being a tad flippant. So Jeremiah answers the first question. Verse 2 of chapter 27 says this. Thus the Lord said to me, make yourself straps and yoke bars and put them on your neck. And so we've just seen that illustrated. And we see that we go down to verse 5, uh, much of the message we've seen before that, that he's declared. But this is verse 5. Notice what he says. It is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth with the men and animals that are on the earth, and I will give it to whomever it seems right to me. Here's a claim that, that Jeremiah makes. It seems almost like a, a, a sort of a strange thing to mention in the midst of what we just saw. I am the Lord your God. I have great power. I made heaven and earth. I made men and animals on the earth. This sounds really, really strange. But I want you to notice something, because this is going to answer one of our other questions. When someone says something, how do we know it's true? When someone says that they're speaking on behalf of God, how do we know it's true? Well, this claim that Jeremiah's made that 
things are created and that God is the one who orders who is in power and who is deposed from power is a claim that can be tested. So here's, here's a, a point. God's true word corresponds with known truth. What we know to be true is that the world had a beginning. The universe had a beginning. What we know to be true is that even if you're, a, even if you're here and you're a, a Darwinian evolutionist, you will tell me that there was a point where there were not animals and then in the fossil record there were animals. They came into existence. You will tell me that. And God says, I did that. I created the animals. I created mankind. I created the animals. And we can test this. We can see that the Bible corresponds to reality. That cannot be said of every holy book. And I know this might sound like I'm on the aggressive foot now. But I think somebody's just got to point out that not every religious book corresponds to reality. There are some religious books that make some pretty strange claims. And we need to test them against the truth. But here's something about prophecy. This is a, this is a very simple one. You make a prophetic prediction. There's a very simple way to test whether it's true or not. And that is, did it come true? I think we can treat claims that people make, this is what God is saying, with some pretty reasonable tests. And yet there are some Christians that fall prey to people who claim to be speaking on behalf of God some pretty wacky, loopy stuff. Jeremiah has something to say about this in verse 9. In verse 9, he says this. So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, or your sorcerers who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. Jeremiah tells them, just because someone calls themselves a prophet doesn't mean they are. They can be judged by whether they are, by whether the, the predictions they make come true in the time frame they said. And for these people, especially that guy Hananiah who took the sword and smashed that yoke off Jeremiah, uh, he, was, he, he predicted that within two years Babylon would be overthrown. Now, was that something from God? Well, as history tells us, no, it was not. In fact, history tells us that exactly what Jeremiah said did happen. And this is one of the most amazing things about the book of Jeremiah. Atheists, skeptics really don't know what to do with this book because it is undoubtedly written around about the time that it's claimed, 600 or so BC through to about 586 BC, and everything he said happened, uh, would happen, did happen in the time frame it said. But notice this, Jeremiah says that there are people who call themselves prophets, people who call themselves diviners, people who claim to have a dream, people who have the ability to, to declare fortunes, so they're fortune tellers, and sorcerers. I want you to notice two things. Firstly, the, the Bible doesn't claim that these, all these people are charlatans. It doesn't say they're tricksters. In fact, it could be that these people, biblically, actually do have very real power. But it's not power from God. It's power from Satan. So we find examples of this even in the book of Acts. So here's the point. There are many competing voices claiming to be divine and divinely true. And we need to have a standard of truth that we can compare these things to. And what is that standard of truth? Any prophetic voice that disrespects the Bible is opposed to God. It's that simple. 
It is that simple. Now, I've heard some very well-meaning Christians say some very well-meaning things that were not from God. But they, made it, they tried to make it sound like it was from God. Now, I've heard this one. Um, thus says the Lord, massive revival, like uber big mega revival is coming to Launceston. Praise be to my name. That kind of thing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding a little bit facetious. But here's, here's the point. I know it can be very well-meaning. And if God does outpour his spirit in such a way that next week we have 5,000 people waiting to get into church, praise God. But you know, the, the Bible actually tells us that that is not the normal way people come to Christ. The normal way people come to Christ is when you live a consistent Christian life, when you invite people to come to know Christ. In Matthew 28, Jesus told us, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go, live your life for me, obey my commands. And everywhere you go, where you've got opportunity, share what I've done for you. That's normal. And Jesus told us in the parable of the sower and the seed that some seed will get cast onto ground that's really hard. People just won't receive it. That's normal. That's normal. So when someone says, you don't have to do any of that stuff anymore, just sit back and God will just bring them in, I know that can sound really wonderful, but it may actually be a word from Satan. Just a thought. Now, we come down to verse 16 in this chapter. And here's the point that I opened up with. The Bible says that everybody has a yoke around them, a spiritual yoke. It's a yoke of bondage. Notice what Jeremiah says here in verse 16. Then I spoke to the priests and to all this people saying, Thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of your prophets who are prophesying to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you. That would have taken great courage from Jeremiah to call that a lie. But here... The prophets, as we saw with Hananiah, probably very well-meaning, wanting to encourage people, probably wanting to say the right thing to boost people's spirits. But just because you want to say the right thing, just because you want to boost people's spirits, does not mean you're speaking on behalf of God. Now, if you leave here, I will die a thousand deaths if you think I've given you a license to be um, the, 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 one, the bearer of bad news. If you think I'm saying to you, go out and be, in as, be as a miserable a Christian as you can, whenever someone's having joy, just say, it won't last, buddy. It won't last. If you are hearing me say that, you are not hearing me well. But I do want us to be careful that there is a message that can be preached that sounds like this. God will give you whatever you want. God will do whatever you want him to do for you. You can do whatever you want and God will fall into your lifestyle. Let's take up the offering. And you can build a church of thousands of people who love that message. But the moment you start to address the three things that Jeremiah was addressing in his ministry, the idolatry of the people, that comes down to this question, who is your God? Idolatry. The ignorance of the people. They had not read the Bible literally had not read it they didn't know what god was saying and then thirdly their immorality and for many people those three things are interwoven their idolatry they've made their sexuality their god you tackle someone's god you are in for a 
fight. And so Jeremiah says to the priests, don't believe these false voices. Notice this. He's saying that there is going to come a yoke upon them, a yoke of bondage. And this is the thing that we know as we bring this to a close. You, we, we know that there are some people who claim that when they die, they want to go to hell so they don't miss out on the party. Why would I want to go to heaven? All my mates will be in hell. Why would I want to go and sit on a cloud and play a harp for a billion trillion years when I can go to hell and party? Yeah. You know, why, you know, and you hear people talk like this. I'd rather go to hell and be with my mates. I tell you, hell is the complete absence of everything God is. I want you to think love. God is love. Take out the the last micromillimeter of love. You ain't got no mates. And that's what hell's going to be for eternity. Man, 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 man. And the devil loves it when he can take people in bondage to that place for eternity. Wow. Wow. And that's what the enemy wants to do. Jesus said in John 10, the devil has come to steal, kill and destroy. But this is what he also said in John 8. I've come that you might, or John 10, I've come that you might have life. John chapter 8, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you know Jesus, you can be free today. You can discover freedom. Freedom. Here's a verse out of Romans 6, and then we're just about done. This is taken from Romans chapter 6, verse 22 from the Message Bible. But now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin, tell you what to do, and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise, a whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. They're great. The ESV puts it this way. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. That's what Jesus does. He sets you free. All right, here's our third question. Does God speak through people? I think there's good evidence from Jeremiah that he does. Was it? God who was speaking through Jeremiah? I think there's really good evidence there was. Here's the third question. Then what do we do? How do we respond? How should the people have responded? Well, you notice the very last verse in this chapter is a a verse of hope. It's a verse where God says, I will bring you back. This is not going to be the end. There is a hope. And I'll say that to you right now. You may be going through hell. Don't stop. Keep going. Because out the other side, you might find God has set you free. So what should we be doing? We should be turning to God for his help. As I walked to church this morning and I was praying for you and I'm praying that I might be able to share his word appropriately. This is probably, if you could hear my prayer, the most recurrent prayer I pray. Oh God, I need your help. Just because God calls you to do it doesn't mean you don't need him to help you to do it. 
And you may think, well, I can't change my life. You may be in bondage to alcohol. You may be in bondage to nicotine. You may be in bondage to amphetamines, internet porn. You may be in bondage to sex. You may be in bondage to food. You may be in bondage to so many things that you've got seated on the throne of your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus Christ can set you free. He can set you free. And right now, from where you're seated... It just doesn't look like that is at all possible. Here's how you respond. Oh, God, I've got unforgiveness on my throne and I need you to remove that. I need your help. Oh, God, I've got food. I've got work. I've got name the person. I've got them on the throne of my heart. I need you to help. Because what's at stake is eternity. I was sharing with Zoe just yesterday about, or Friday, and I was sharing that um, where I grew up was really rough. It was really rough. I grew up in a very poor area. Um, I literally grew up between an abattoir and an oil refinery, and kids that I grew up with were pretty rough. In fact, Many, many of my friends committed suicide early high school. And you just kind of become numb to it. And the fact that um, many, many of you here, many of you young people here have never known someone to commit suicide, I tell you, thank God. <laughs> thank God. But the utter hopelessness that people can feel, even from the age of 13 or 14, 15, because they've got the wrong thing on the throne of their heart. The wrong thing. The wrong person. Jesus Christ can set you free. Here's a prayer that can help you on this journey. It's a prayer that says, God, please forgive me of my sins. Whatever is seated on your throne that isn't Jesus, that's sin. Come and live in me. In other words, come and live on the throne of my heart and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. Can you make that your prayer? Let's pray. Father, for many right now, this is their prayer. This is their prayer. A prayer that says, God, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live in me and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. And Father, I pray for every person here. Those who have tried, those who have evicted the trespasser on the throne of their heart only to find them come back in through a window. Those who are still battling with bondage, those that are still battling I pray right now that your grace, your grace, your grace of strength right now would be imparted to every person. Right now, receive the grace and strength you need to be forgiven of sin, cleansed of sin, made whole and healed of heart. God knows what you're going through. He can help you get through. We have a choice about who we are yoked with, as it were, to do life. Make sure you make a wise and informed choice. 
more from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, An Unwelcome Yoke, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is pastor of the Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.